0: Hey guys, welcome to episode 5 of the Barefoot Coach Podcast. I'm joined here by my very own nutrition coach, vessel of my child, <laughs> apple of my eye, uh, some would say better half, Kim Bunny from Mindset Nutrition and she's wow. here today to talk a little bit about some different concepts based around nutrition involving a little bit more psychology and how you can get a little bit more out of your daily practices when you approach it um, from a different mindset I guess you could say. So Kim tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you hope to achieve in the industry.
1: Well firstly thank you for that lovely introduction.
0: We're sitting uncomfortably close. I've never sat this close to a podcast guest
1: yet. <laughs> uh, okay so about me. First of all you've been so very patient with all of my study. True. <laughs> it's true. ongoing. So I guess over the last four years I've done a lot of study in nutrition and i picked up internships with um, people like Eat to Perform, I work for them afterwards as well. Uh, my main focus I guess I started out wanting to be a nutrition coach and then I kind of realized you can write people great plans but then they come back and they're not quite able to stick to it so I knew that there was always something a little bit more to it and that's when I found the Institute of Psychology of Eating and everything just became clear. So basically my business works on helping people to understand and improve their relationship with their body and their mind and
0: food. Cool. And currently you're, uh, you're studying a psych degree as well?
1: Yep.
0: Which going to take about eight years to complete.
1: Just starting a family at the same time and studying a psych degree. So, um, yeah, I, I like to work with people with disordered eating and I, I one day I want to work clinically with eating disorders as well. So um, hence the... Degree. I have done a diploma in counselling as well, and I'm a silver level practitioner with the Australian Centre for Eating Disorders. So I do already work with people with uh, eating disorders and disordered eating, but I generally uh, refer out the parts that I'm not quite qualified to, to handle.
0: Yep. And tell us a bit about a bit about the psychology of eating course that you've done, or eating psychology.
1: Yeah, wow, that honestly, that was a real game changer for me. For those, I didn't I didn't think I was going to delve into this part of my history, but it is important to know, I guess, um, that I did struggle with orthorexia for a few years there. And I kind of found the Institute of Psychology of Eating right as I was in the midst of that.
0: So could you just give us a definition of orthorexia just for the listeners who aren't quite familiar with it?
1: Sure. So orthorexia is basically when you're obsessed with clean eating, you over-exercise and you are very fixated on... It's more of wanting a fit physique rather than being thin, but some people go down the thin path as well. So I was very much in the thick of the fitness industry. I was working as a personal trainer at the time, and my whole life just resolved around food and exercise, and there was really not a lot else that could infiltrate my life at that point. I had no, no time or energy to even entertain the idea of anything else. It was just food, exercise, that was life. That was it. And every day, million selfies just checking my progress.
0: Following every <laughs> Of which Christmas there was, was none.
1: <laughs> <laughs> clean eating, like I'd beat myself up for having a cup of tea with my mum because I had milk. So it was motivational It was pretty intentional a while there. Oh, so many motivational questions. <laughs> it's way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so much Deepen inspiration. Deep in
0: that clean eating case.
1: <laughs> they got him out of it. But um, the point of that story was.
0: Uh, it was basically just (laughs) touching back on about your course yeah yeah yeah. so
1: basically i mean i don't want to sound talking up too much but i really do feel like the course helped me heal my way through that because it basically taught me that there are emotions connected to the reasons we behave with food and there was a lot of emotions that i personally hadn't digested from a few other things which i won't go into today But that really kind of brought to my attention, whoa, I've got some stuff to deal with here and if I don't deal with it, I'm going to be forever in this cycle of needing my body to be a certain way for me to be happy and I just didn't want to live like that anymore and the course kind of really just guided me through that and now I'm able to do that for other people which I feel really grateful for.
0: Would you say that's been the most influential thing you've studied thus far?
1: Oh, 100%. It was was literally life-changing for me. (laughs) (laughs) and <laughs> that sounds like yeah I and, don't know it just I can't describe it
0: and I dare say a lot of the people you've worked with as well have benefited immensely from that course as well so. mm,
1: mm. it just kind of brings out a side of nutrition that so many people are not getting access to like it just kind of brings about the truths, so and when you hear them you're like ah oh, whoa why didn't I do that that makes so much more sense
0: mm. and I think it's good it's good that more people out there are starting to create connections with the mindset part of it, the practical part of it, let's say the macros or whatever it is that the person bases their meal plans and things like that on and then linking a bit more of the mindset stuff. My younger brother Quinn currently is studying nutrition and looking to branch off into that. It's one of his passions and he's even starting to realise the amount of, the enormity of the mindset and mm. how, what, what sort of role it plays in their long-term goals and
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's probably something he'll want to delve into in the future, I think, to get more, uh, more sure. out of his clients and work with yourself and whatnot. I
1: definitely think that anyone, if you're working in any kind of position where you're trying to change somebody's weights or eating habits or shape or any of those things mindset is so important because it does impact our actions around food it's not food that's the problem it's the way we behave with it so we need to understand Mm. that.
0: Yep absolutely and I think demonizing foods is a huge one that's again slowly starting to get cut down through the industry I think more and more people are speaking up that it's not about Gluten specifically, mm-hmm. dairy specifically, or soy, or any of these sorts of stuff. It can be, Yeah. sure, if it doesn't click with you for some reason, or you've overeaten it, or overconsumed it to the point where you've created an autoimmune response. But mm. the, the demonizing of it straight off the back that's automatically unhealthy is slowly starting to become cut down, and the research is really being torn apart a fair bit, mm-hmm. I guess, as well, and the, the reasons why that research is being done has some ulterior motives that people are starting yeah. to pay attention to. So. Yeah.
1: And at the end of the day, all anyone should really be focusing on is what works personally for them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, next up, your passion, I guess, is helping people with eating like you said before. Is it something that you're seeing more and more, and you think it's more common, I guess, than people give it credit for?
1: I think that it's a grayscale. I think there's so many people that are struggling with aspects of disordered eating, like for example if you can't leave the house without feeling anxious because you haven't weighed yourself in the morning, that tells me there is some level of concern about your body, weight, shape or size that is impacting the way you live in your life. So the basic definition of an eating disorder is persistent eating or exercise behaviours that negatively impact your life, and there'll also be a very intense focus on changing your weight or shape of your body. So, the you know, if you think about the way you go through your life, how often is your choices uh, negatively impacted by how you feel about yourself, your body, or food or exercise? You know, if I go back to looking at myself with orthorexia, I couldn't go to sleep at night. Like if I went to bed without writing down every little thing in my fitness plan that was going to go into my mouth the next day, I would near on have an anxiety attack. I couldn't mm. sleep because I was that focused and, you know, and in my mind, I was like, so motivated. I am going to smash it tomorrow. Here come my results. But really, I, I was obsessed. Like I was mm. obsessing over things that at the end of the day don't matter. I was eating nutritious foods. I was eating enough food that really should have been all that mattered I was a healthy weight I had no reason to be pushing myself like that so I think if there are also as well if there comes to be this overwhelmed feeling of I have to get to a certain weight I have to do this rather than just letting yourself be and accepting what is and being patient with results then there's definitely something underlying there
0: and it's not I mean it's not a black and white thing is no. it? I mean there's lots of you know that's why I don't really love the labels I mean they're just a way to define it but you know, it's, it's essentially someone going 110% when really they should only, only need to go about 80% to get results. So maybe it's 70% for a much longer term basis, but there's a lot more life quality there. Mm. And I guess it's this extreme version of life that we always want to try. The next thing that's going to get us there quickly and, as, and then essentially de- develops and there's something a lot worse for you. In the long yeah, term. and
1: that's when the compensatory behaviors come in. So of course, disordered eating isn't just under eating. It's also... Um, the binge eating from the under-eating because you've woken up and thought, oh, I'm not going to have breakfast today because I'm going to do so great, I'm going to lose all this weight. And then, you know, you know, you sort of get to lunchtime, you have just a salad and then the binging starts from 3 p.m. because you're so hungry. So it's, it's it's, all sides of that coin. It's not just not eating enough. It's it's also not being able to control yourself with food too.
0: Yeah, and that's, I think that lack of control is the big one, isn't it? I mean, going back to that definition, you talked about persistent eating, like uh, those behaviors that neg- negatively impact your life. I mean, <laughs> you could argue that's athletes. You could like so. Mm. There's, a, a, I guess, it's looking at it's being honest with yourself of when you've officially lost control. Mm. You know, like you're talking about before that not having things perfect yeah. means you completely lose your shit. You know, there's yeah. that huge breakdown if you sway. You know, a few kilos or something like that, and it really freaks you out. It's probably mm. at the point where maybe you are starting to lose a bit of control and you'll rein it in a little bit. Yeah. Or talk to someone about it. I'm just
1: it. thinking like I was speaking to a, but someone that's a lot younger than me um, and she was saying, hey, it's my birthday, let's all go out for dinner. She was really excited and her friends were like, yeah, great, but I'm going to eat at home. And the other one was like, I'm going to pack a dinner and bring it to me. These are 19-year-old girls that shouldn't be worried mm. about having one night of the week to celebrate a friend's birthday and that made me really sad.
0: And they're already eating, you know, six out of those seven days perfectly. Mm. So it's so one night that they can potentially yeah. sway from a perfect And it's thing.
1: like at a time when your metabolism is strong. Like, <laughs> <laughs> have some fun.
0: Yeah, menopause is a long way away, ladies.
1: Let's <laughs> worry yeah. about that when you get to it. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, that's it, isn't it? And that's the thing. I think you yeah. consistently see with the, the people in the gym that do the best long-term, at least from what I've seen, it's that nice balance when you do see them going out and having a good time on the weekend. You do see them occasionally having a midweek you know, dinner date with a friend or whatever. Mm. And, and yeah, they are consistent in their eating patterns, but they're not 100%. Yeah.
1: Because
0: the people that are 100%, there's usually some form of breakdown there somewhere, or there's some form of uh, they can't follow through with it too, too long.
1: Well, it takes a special kind of person to keep up that kind of perfection and intensity for that long, mm. and you have to ask why.
0: Mm. Yeah, what's the end result then? Mm. then? Why are
1: you doing it? Like, why? Why? If it's not enjoyable, why are you doing it?
0: Mm. Yep. And do you think that's the problem, I guess, with sometimes getting really good results? And it's awesome, that, like, everyone gets to bask in their glory with them. Mm. And, you know, you, your first knee jerk reaction is to give them, you know, oh, great job, you're looking shredded, blah, blah. And it's almost unfortunate. Like, does that then create an issue? Because then, oh, Am I not loved if I don't have those results?
1: Yeah, exactly right. Well, going back to my experience again, it all kind of started, um, one of the reasons was because I got glandular fever and I got so sick and I lost so much weight and I got so much positive feedback on that, that that for me was like, oh, Oh, my God, I wasn't – people love me now. How do like, I
0: get glandular again? Yeah, is like just or Yeah,
1: like I didn't realize that I was so, like, unsavory to so many people because <laughs> I was carrying, like, five extra kilos. But now mm. – so that that's one thing that I really focus on with people that I work with is I don't celebrate their weight loss, just like I wouldn't comment on them gaining weight. It's, it doesn't matter to me. Mm. They're still the same person with the same, you know – personality and things that I love and, you know, I think people focus too much on celebrating the, the weight loss rather than the behaviour change. Because what yeah, that, what we need to really encourage is the positive behaviour change rather than the weight loss. Because if they've done something really unhealthy to get that weight loss, you're just reinforcing that that was great behaviour, let's do it again.
0: Mm. And, look, and the thing is, this, when I'm saying you shouldn't celebrate it, it's just looking at the other aspects of it as well. Wouldn't it be awesome if someone said, "Hey, awesome job sticking to sticking to your guns and you know working on yourself"? Mm, you know? Yeah. Or like you're performing awesome in the gym. I've talked about this before. That's what I love about CrossFit and these other you know variations of fitness that are heading more in the direction of performance because mm. you're able to celebrate more than just simply how you look, which I think yeah. is really important because right. we can't all look a certain way.
1: No, and I don't. I definitely CrossFit. Like if you have friends that are struggling, do get them or you yourself. Find a, an atmosphere where you are training for fun. Like that's what mm-hmm. I love so much about CrossFit. Like you said, it takes away the importance on aesthetics. There's no mirrors in there. Yeah. You know, like people take their shirts off, all shapes, sizes. doesn't matter. People just get amongst it and have a good time. And it's more focused on, hey, let's see what cool stuff you can do rather than yeah. can you keep your abs toned taut while you do this bench press while someone's filming you. Mm,
0: yeah. <laughs> Or for the Insta.
1: Kind of for the gram.
0: Yeah. And, and it, other styles of training can work as well. I think it's all about the approach and the atmosphere and the community that you've mm. got around you and the coaches yeah. in particular and them being switched on to knowing when it's starting to become an issue and it's no longer healthy. And mm. I think we should point that out. I'm not saying that CrossFit's the only way. There's plenty of other styles and, and yeah, the coaches yeah. being switched on is really key there. Yeah, 100%. Now, what would you say are the the main principles behind Mindset Nutrition your business? What is it you want people to... I suppose use a little bit more in their day-to-day work on their nutrition and lifestyle.
1: Okay, so my main goal with anyone that I work with is to help them have a healthy relationship with food, with their body and with their mind. So I really focus on just basic nutritional principles. I don't like to get too complicated with it because really it is. it can be quite simple. You can get results by doing the simple things and just doing them well and doing them consistently. And second of all, I, like, I just want to help my, the people I'm working with to relax because stress has such an impact on our weight and I don't think people give that enough time. So mm. I think a lot of people don't realize that stress doesn't come just from a really heavy work schedule or being a parent to a, a younger child or something like that or having a financial worries or anything like that. It also comes from how you speak to yourself. So if you're in this mindset of got to lose weight or I'm not good enough, oh, look at that person looking at me. They think my pants look terrible. And when there's constant state of a flurry and worry about how we look and how people are perceiving us and how we're going to fix it, that creates more stress for your system to have to negate and it's hard. So what I really aim to do is just kind of educate around food, why it's not the enemy um, and allow people to find a balance in their intakes and and their lifestyles that help them just relax more and deload some of this stress
0: yeah yeah absolutely and it's funny you should say about the stress part i think 90 percent of the conversations i have around weight loss especially with males is always talking about the midsection yeah how do i lose this and all the rest of it around the middle and the reality is stress is probably one of the biggest areas stress and alcohol intake around the midline is two and it's two areas that are very hard to change Mm. But they are changeable, and I think it's not about being perfect. I get stressed plenty of times, but it's about having management tools, both yeah. in that the moment, yeah, physically in the moment, right? Something's going wrong. How do you respond to that? And how can you be aware of that? And then also outside of that, what do you do when you have your downtime? How mm. do you get that that break away? So it's not all go go go. It's not just work and then hard training and then sleep. Repeat like all the lovely men like to do. Yeah. Where's the like you know work train Restore repeat. Yeah, so, you know, that sort of
1: stuff. And where's the kindness to ourselves? Like I, I think self-love gets a little bit misinterpreted. So uh, to put it to give you an analogy that I like to use basically is imagine if you have a puppy dog. You hate the puppy dog. Probably going to kick it, might forget to feed it, and if you do feed it, you're Just not going to feed not. it well. Any
0: RSVC you RSVC hate this
1: puppy missing. dog. You hate it. <laughs> you're not going to take never it for kick walks. A puppy
0: dog. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you might let it sleep in its own filth. But if you love that puppy dog, you are really going to take care of it. You're going to feed it scotch fillet. You're going to take it for walks all day long. You're going to have an intercom so you can speak to it during the day while you're at work. <laughs> you're going to do so many lovely things because you love that dog. Now imagine if that dog is you or your body. Self-love is about loving yourself enough to take care of yourself. It's not about taking pictures of yourself in bikinis at any size or shape and loving your thing. Great, right, which is wonderful and great if you want to do that. But self-love is about loving yourself enough to take care of yourself, meaning eating in a way that's nutritionally sound and is is working for you health-wise. It means getting enough movement for your body. It means talking to yourself in a kind way, so not letting yourself, give yourself a barrage of negative comments all day long. It's about creating awareness into the areas in your life that are supportive and the ones that are actually bringing you
0: down. I should phrase that properly as well basically what you saying is you would never kick that puppy You would oh, no never, no you don't never kick read, the mistreat don't kick that puppy. puppy so why do you mistreat <laughs> yourself you know you are the puppy basically right but I really like that because again when you talk about self-love it's that instant like eye roll from the trolls and mm-hmm. all the rest of it. And the internet trolls they, they steady their trigger finger and they're ready to type <laughs> and again it's not saying just excuse everything that's unhealthy or that you you want to change like oh no I, you know I'm not going to worry about losing that 10, 15 kilos of that body fat percentage because I love myself so much all the time. And it's like, well, no, no, you can still love yourself as you are now. And then that self-love will mean that you take more actions towards supporting those goals and to actually, you know, making those changes. Mm.
1: But doing them in a way that's kind to your body, because mm. if we keep fighting and punishing our body, we're not going to get good results and we're especially not going to maintain them long, long term. So if you come at it from an angle where you actually respect your body. And you actually care for it and go, well, what does my body physically need right now? Does it need some more water? Do I need to um, eat some vegetables because I've been having a party all weekend long? Do I need to um, go to the gym because I'm feeling really lethargic? Do I need to get more sleep? Like these are the things that are important when it comes to self-care and physically caring for yourself and your body.
0: Yeah, and all those self-destructive behaviors and everyone's got something, Mm -hmm. right? They're not forms of self-love, are they? No, exactly right. Yeah. And that's anything from the binge eating to drug abuse, to alcohol abuse, to over-exercising, like we talked about before, et cetera, um, needing it to burn and hurt all the time mm-hmm. in, in your training and things like that. So, yeah, I think that's really good, really well put. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> from that, what are some of the small changes people can make today to become more mindful around their nutrition practices?
1: Okay, number one, it all has to start with awareness because you can't fix something that you don't know. So if you don't realize you're doing a certain thing, you know, it's never gonna change. So you need to start to inquire with yourself a little bit more, become an expert on use. If you are eating a packet of stale Doritos at five o'clock in the afternoon, right before dinner, go, hmm, what's going on for me today? Drink I wonder it. why it is that <laughs> I'm eating these chips when they're stale and they actually don't even taste good. And I know dinner's coming in 30 minutes. So start to ask yourself questions when you find yourself doing things that aren't really supportive to a healthy relationship with food or with your body, like if you find you're at the gym for like the third or you know second time that day or whatever and you're pushing yourself really hard, you don't really even want to be there, you've already done enough that morning, ask yourself what what is going on for me today? Why do I feel the need to push myself so hard today? What is it that I'm trying to achieve? And if I go down to, you know, when we're trying to achieve something, there's always this a core thing of what it is we want. So it might be, I want to go and compete at a higher level or something. Okay, well what will achieving at that higher level actually give you? Will it give you respect from your peers? Will it give you respect for yourself? Will it give you happiness? What is it actually going to achieve? And if there's another way to actually get those things without having to bust yourself in the gym when you physically maybe don't want to compete at a higher level? what else could you do
0: yeah i mean is it challenging your comfort zones that you trying to fill a void there's lots of possibilities and there can still be plenty of positive reasons why you're doing it as well oh, absolutely negative, absolutely
1: but, but um, what i'm saying is if you're doing something that's not working for you mm. ask why like get some awareness into what's going on for you
0: is there a better way
1: mm, absolutely and the second thing that i would I always start with this is just to slow down with food, and this basically does create more awareness. So, and it's also good for your digestive system. So, if you're having digestive issues, this is a great place to start. But slowing down with food allows you to eat more mindfully. And when I say slow down, I mean really slow down and take in the whole experience. So, if you're going to have you know, your 3 p.m. chocolate bar, you decide you're gonna do it, just slow down and really enjoy it. Like notice the texture, notice the taste, notice the smell, rather than just going, oh no, 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 I'm gone. Oh, I actually kind of feel like another one. Slow down to physically be present and enjoy the experience, and you'll probably notice that you do stop a lot sooner, and you'll also be able to regulate your appetite a little bit better, because you are physically able to get that message from your body that, hey, I've had enough, I'm full and I'm satisfied, we don't need to go on. Then you can put that away for later, Um, or at the end of a meal, you notice I ate really slowly, but I'm still hungry. So maybe I do need some more because my full signal isn't, isn't done yet.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think it's, what's always a hard one like that mindful eating definitely takes practice and time and I guess. When you look at things like macros and whatnot, for certain personalities, they may be a really good starting point, and people do sometimes need structure to kick things off.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm certain. Like macros definitely helped me in part of my recovery because it taught me to be more flexible with food. So, like, I coming from an orthorexic background, I there was I was so terrified to have a cup of tea. Mm. So, I'm um, starting to eat macros where I was like, hey, I can have pizza and I can have, I can have cheese and I can do all these things and everything's going to be okay. So, macros were great for me to give me some structure and to allow me to be educated on you know where my protein fats and carbs are coming from what foods were rich in everything um, how to balance out my day better how to get better macronutrient timing when it's you know post and pre-workout and things like that so yeah i definitely think that if you're someone that has been chronically dieting for a long time that's my number one go-to tool when they're ready and then from there once you kind of Uh, Get to a place where you're eating enough food and you've been doing that consistently for a while and all the fears of the carbs and the food and the sugars and the glutens and everything are gone Then you can move through to learning to mindfully eat because by then I would have been working with them for a while They would have had a better take on Listening to their body and actually acknowledging what it needs and being able to act on that and from there That's an easier place to mindfully eat you don't want to start mindfully eating when you've been under eating for a very long time Mm
0: yeah and that, that's the thing is that it's like I, that's what i do like about the macro starting point is and there's lots of really really good companies out there like um uh team acto there's macro stacks working against gravity um oh, there's a method as well method um so there's lots of ones that are excellent for basing figuring out what that plan is and in particular highlighting when you're under eating which is something mm. that we see a lot with people yeah it doesn't always make sense but the calories in calorie out, is out thing definitely 100% is, is a thing and definitely works, but also what happens is people tend to starve themselves thinking that'll work better and then have a big blowout, say, two or three days of the week. So you can think of, rather than thinking just daily calories, a weekly, monthly amount of calories counts as well in, big, yeah. in a big way.
1: Yeah. So what you're saying is it's a budget. You get a weekly budget mm. of calories and rather than blowing a lot of them on the weekend and then having to eat scantily throughout the week, mm. you just basically eat more food every day instead um and that will help so many things that help you sleep better help you perform better you um, you have better balanced blood sugar so you have less cravings hormones yeah hormones so many things that it can help just eating regularly
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and that's what that consistency does come in i've been asked a few times myself like what do you follow what sort of plan do you structure around and you'll see with me it's not a structured plan i've never followed macros in no. my life but <laughs> i realized the other day that It's probably more consistent. I give myself credit for it. I always have my three meals. I always have uh, some form of like a protein shake-based snack. I'll have a snack usually before dinner, which is my way of getting in the extra calories that I probably burnt in my session. So I personally know I respond better to more carbs, so that's what I'll go through more. And this is where the mindful mindful eating stuff comes in. It's quite interesting is that I'll tend to have cravings across two or three days as Mm -hmm. an example. So it might be like I'm not a big chocolate eater, or a big sug- sugary intake sort of person, but it might be all of a sudden, for two or three days, I'm craving chocolate. And I might smash half a block. Yeah. And I, I often will ask myself, is this just boredom? And sometimes and it is. me. <laughs> <laughs> is this just boredom I'm sick with Kim? Or is my body craving something? And often it is just, my body is craving this, my taste buds are firing at all cylinders, and I've mm. gotten to that point. It might be popcorn on another day, or crackers, or whatever it is. And being able to listen to your body and knowing that I'm probably in more of a calorie deficit than I really want to be right now. And maybe on a micronutrient side of things, there's something my body craves more. But that takes time. And it does take awareness of listening to your body more often. And responding to your own energy levels as well. And knowing, is it that I need a nap? Is it that I need food? Is it that I need to just get up and get moving because I'm in that low energy mindset? I've been stale for too long doing this work or driving or whatever it is. And starting to pay attention to those things and just trying stuff. You know, it might be you have a little 10-minute siesta, you wake up and you're like, boom, I'm good to go again. Yeah. Or I get up and, you know, I do some stretch, a light run around the block, and I'm actually ready for my exercise session whereas I thought I was really, really tired. Or it may just simply be, look, I've got to have some some calories and holy shit, I feel way better. Mm. And that way you can kind of self-experiment a little bit and figure out what works for you and that mindful eating becomes a lot more effective.
1: Yeah. And I have to give you credit, you are quite emotionally intelligent so you're you're someone that Thank you. <laughs> considering you're so much younger than me you're quite emotionally intelligent so you you've never really had an issue with really letting your emotions decide how you're going to eat you've always been quite on on top of that well, and if there's been anything that's been an issue for you you've been quick to sort it out
0: yeah i think i learned that from a young age if you've heard uh episode three of my podcast guys i talked a little bit about my past for skin issues and how that did actually lead me down a, a path of Paleo and super strict mm. and, and I did go through that real restriction phase So I can relate to a lot of these issues and I learned from an early age then that it wasn't the right way to go and it didn't actually Equal better results necessarily and that 110% effort was not necessarily rewarded So I guess that's why now that these days yeah. I find it a lot more effective to just find that balance and you know, I don't eat like an idiot, like I'm not eating pizza every night, I would like to. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: won't let you, eat your veggies.
0: <laughs> now I can see times experimenting with a pizza a day diet and no, that sort of thing, but hasn't. I'm well past that bulking stage, <laughs> so for me now it's just a nice consistent um, focus more on health.
1: So. And that, that really um, highlights something as well, it's not just about wanting to lose weight, there's a lot of people that struggle with eating issues because they want to put on weight, it's the same vicious cycle
0: yeah Mm. absolutely yeah oh it works both ways for sure and i guess uh, all my skinny peeps out there that went through um (laughs) high school and whatnot and getting teased with the same sort of thing it it definitely creates the same sort of issues whether you're in the gym you know four hours a day doing bodybuilding exercises trying to build up that muscle that just never quite comes and never (laughs) fills that void it it works i think you can definitely relate to the the opposite effect of people trying to lose weight and, and being teased at a young age for a similar kind of thing that it can be equally as hurtful. Mm. I think the difference is that people who have weight loss stories are probably singled out more on the street for things that, you know, just from shit people out there mm. really. I've heard some horror stories that I cannot relate to at all. So that's where I think the big difference lies is that feeling of being judged by people you do not know from a virus. Yeah,
1: who are you to judge? That makes me so angry. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me on a rant, but anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. we're not going to go there because I could talk about that all day. I'm sure none of our listeners are those people, so we can't relate to those personality types. They got their own shit going on. Um, So, what else is important? I guess we've talked a little bit about mindful eating, we've talked a little bit about eating disorders, and and sort of where do you think a lot of this stuff comes from? So, in particular, having a child, little nuggy, what has that changed for you and i guess you i know you've done a lot of research into this and listened to a lot of really knowledgeable people on the topic how can we role model for our children better and what's changed for you
1: ah oh, so that's oh that's two that's two questions so what's changed for me is i have a lot less time <laughs> <laughs> so being a parent has really highlighted the importance of managing my stress and my energy and my time so And I think those things are something that's really underutilized in weight loss and also managing a healthy weight. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, I know that if I don't get enough sleep, I'm finding it a lot harder to be um, more resilient with stressful things. So like having a child, if anyone is a parent, you know, it's it's some stress is unavoidable at some times. And it does feel a lot worse when you are tired so for me I'm, you don't
0: love them all the time <laughs> anyone who says that's a liar do
1: you love them nice when they're sleeping? <laughs> no she's the best i do love her don't get it don't get us don't get us twisted but for me it was became really apparent that if i was going to especially starting at a psych degree if i was going to manage my stress levels i really need to manage my own energy and my time so i now, obviously, I've been doing this a long time. I'm quite in tune with what my body and my mind needs. So, I make sure that I look at what I've got ahead of me, and I make time for the bits that are important. But I also schedule in things like today you're gonna have a nap because <laughs> you need one, and uh, it doesn't matter how much you need work. That can go to the side. Or I'll make time to you know go out and let off some steam, and catch up with a friend for a wine and have dinner or whatever. I actually, as well, did things like. I put her in daycare and on those daycare days I chose not to train as much as I wanted to. Like I love my 930 girls, I wanted to be there. But for me it was more important to use that time more efficiently and to get more study done. So in the long run doing that allowed me to manage my time more effectively, manage my energy more effectively so I wasn't stressed out later. And then those actions of stress, you know, because if you're stressed out with your little one and then you snap, I, I find it really, for me it's really important to be as calm and friendly and happy around her as possible it's not always going to happen but it's important for me no it's not her fault and and that's why for me it was really important for me to manage my energy and my time to make sure that she got the best mum that was available to her at that time and just coincidentally metabolic measures were in last week and i've knocked my training back from four to five times a week to three to four and i still gained still gained muscle still body fat went down my eating still, I still ate mindfully. I, I guess I've got a Fitbit now and that makes helps me sort of acknowledge if I've, especially with studying, if I'm eating a lot of snacks and I'm not moving a lot, so that probably helps a little bit as well. But yeah, I think as, as parents as well, and anyone, anyone, manage your stress by managing your time and feeding the things that are prioritized. So measure, manage your pressure and your urgency of things. So when you get up for the day, um, we always seem to have this this feeling of like, oh, I've got so much to do, there's so much pressure to get it done and everything's urgent. If we just prioritise everything and go, well, that could be done next week, this definitely needs to be done today, oh, and I'll do, do, do these two other things and then that's it for my day. And just take mm. some pressure off and that really allows you to manage some of that stress and manage some of that that unnecessary pressure
0: that you're putting on yourself. And I think from an outsider looking in, obviously I wouldn't consider myself the primary carer. That would be Kim most of the time. I do help out as often as I can but running a business that takes a lot of my time. So I would suggest two two bits of advice for any of the mums out there and one is, or any of the primary carers, the dads as well, is say no more often. So saying yeah. no to things that you maybe don't have time to do and you don't really want to be doing. Like, And unfortunately that may mean catching up with a friend or mm. it might mean um, something that you you might get something out of, but you're not really going to have a huge, a great experience from or anything like that. So saying no more often. And then in particular, um, saying yes to more help as well. Yeah. So, you know, if you've got someone that's willing to help and you're just a little bit nervous because you don't want to be, you want to be there all the time. You want everything to be perfect. You just need that break. It's time to sort of let go of the, the shackles a little bit, get yeah. out of that cabin fever, and get you just give yourself some time. Even if it's just sitting in a park with a coffee and just oh, yeah. nothing, no. Because thoughts
1: silence is so good. Yeah,
0: maybe it's a couple of drinks with friends. Maybe it is oh. just you know not going to a restaurant, and having to worry about breastfeeding or having to worry about a screaming child. I know or...
1: you always struggled with the breastfeeding. Didn't I you? know, it always hard. I <laughs> so gave it a crack, like.
0: <laughs> but yeah. I, so they're the big ones for me, from outside looking in, to help with that mm. stress, I think is yeah, like saying saying no more often and saying yes yeah. to help.
1: And on yeah. top of that, don't sweat the small stuff. Like the other day, Thea was playing in um, a bag of potting mix, and I was like, "Ah, she's having a good time. We'll, we'll clean it up later. She'll be right."
0: <laughs> she's got gastroenteritis. Yeah.
1: She plays with the mugs and the things she drops. And oh, it's okay. It's just a mug, you know. It's you don't need to expensive. let yourself. Um, yeah, you don't need to let yourself get worked up about the little things.
0: Yeah. So now the modelling part. So modelling for parents. What do you think the most crucial parts are around food and nutrition? Because I. I would say most people. I don't know about your own clients, but most people that I've ever talked to about these sort of things, and we've delved a little bit deeper, there was always something. That, there was a well-meaning mother or father, mm. or sometimes not well-meaning, yeah. um, or auntie or uncle, or an mm. elder of some description, or a brother or sister that really messed it up for that person. And it's only once they become aware of that that they yeah. really can move forward. So, what are some of the modeling things you like? Just phrases here, things that could be done better.
1: Yeah yeah so i love the phrase role modeling is the greatest form of education don't teach show so i think what a lot of people don't realize is while you might be saying something you're showing them everything so you need to realize that you know if you're hiding food in your top drawer and eating it when they're not there they're going to figure it out eventually so they're going to know that you have a secret stash of food for example and they're going to start to think well that's a great idea maybe i'll have a secret stash of food so you need to be really on top of what you're showing your kids but as well it comes back to that whole body image stuff as well because a lot of let's face it a lot of issues with food um, and exercise come from body image like if you feel great about your body and its image you're not going to be like oh my god i need to spend four hours at the gym today mm-hmm. so a lot of it comes from how we speak to our children about food and how we speak to our children about our bodies. <clears throat> so I'll never forget one day being at work and a woman came in and told me about how large her bum was and it was so much bigger than all the other girls she worked with and um, she couldn't possibly wear any of the clothes that were in the store. And I just sort of... She's
0: working at Nike, by the
1: way. Yeah, so I, I just kind of, I, I didn't, I wish there were so many things I should have said, but I didn't. but. I just looked at her daughter who must have been around seven or eight years old and I just saw her little face and watched her take it all in and I just thought, oh, mm-hmm. you've just taught that girl so many things about her body and the way the world is and the way the women's body should be that she shouldn't need to worry about ever, especially not at her age. And it just made me really sad. So things that we need to really focus on is not talking about other people or their bodies. Like, don't. Don't talk about how good Kim K looks in her, in her leggings. Like, don't talk about how you and your friend Karen are going to go on a diet over Christmas and you're going to lose 10 kilos and it's going to be amazing. Don't talk about how you can't eat certain foods. Just be really mindful about the things that you discuss and the things that you're portraying to your child because remember they have such bigger meanings and when we're kids, we're still learning about what, how the world works. So we need to really teach our kids positive things like you know everyone's great at any size and we can sh- you know show them that you're comfortable in your skin no matter no matter what it looks like because at the end of the day we're changing every second of every day we're all we're all aging we're all going to gain a little bit weight of weight as we get older there are things that we can't stop so we need to stop trying to portray this image of perfection is possible all the time it's just not not at all <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think from an exercise point of view, being a trainer, I think movement and play mm-hmm. as opposed to exercise is a really important yeah. definition there when you're teaching kids because exercise for me, it's not, it's not how it should be portrayed, the definition, but especially the way it's shown to kids is we exercise because we don't want to get fat. Yeah. Um, and we exercise because we want to be, you know, musclier or something if it's a, if it's a boy. So just teaching them to be able to play and what their bodies can do and marvelling mm. at that and really showing them like, oh wow, look at that, you can do that and you can try, yeah. oh wow, look, you can do a rope climb or like whatever it is and teaching them that. At yeah.
1: Even the word, like using the word exercise in front of children kind of grates on me. I, I mean, it's Because actually, of the way
0: it's portrayed.
1: Yeah, because the exercise means I'm going to exercise to, generally it portrays I'm exercising because I need to change the way I look. Whereas you know, if I if I'm taking the Thea to the gym, I'm like, come on, let's go see Daddy. Well, Mummy's gonna go play with her friends. <laughs> yeah. So that's all Thea thinks. That I'm just gonna go and have some fun and play with my friends. It's not about anything and else. And mimic
0: the movement and yeah.
1: Um, and obviously later on, we'll be letting her know that you know this is important for our health, but we do it anyway because we like it, not because we we think we have to.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think and again, it's like whether you're a male, female, or whatnot, everyone has the right to be able to do. Whatever they want to do with their bodies, and that's really yeah. important to teach them at a the young age as well. Uh, the next part, I guess, we'll talk about is the modelling for personal trainers and people in the fitness industry. Mm. And what are some of the things you y- you interviewed a lot of people who have gone through weight loss journeys, are currently going through it, and some of the insecurities around how their trainers and that the industry itself has made them feel. And what was some of the advice you give to people out there? to help people bridge that gap between taking action
1: yeah one of the biggest things that stands out to me that was said over and over again was as a big person I try to take up less space so you know when someone is a bigger person and they walk into a a place maybe you know like the gym where they're not comfortable you have to realize that they are facing so many insecurities in that moment so they don't want to be met with someone that's um, you know perfect at their diet wearing a midriff top or you know looking that looking the part and then not seeing them as a person so sometimes I think people are seen as their size they're not seen as a, a person that's got a rich history of you know lots of things in their life and and they all have stories uh, and they're not they're not given the respect or the value that they deserve they're kind of just like looked at as if they're lazy and unmotivated and you've done this to yourself which is
0: and you're going to help them get out of that ride. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that, it just breaks my heart that the fitness industry is the number one place that after the GP sometimes that people go to look for for help. And I heard a story the other day that someone said they walked into a gym and they literally were told, we can't help you here. And I just think that that's, we need to be better. We need to be better at helping the people that need our help. And we need to see that there is so much more to, carrying a higher weight than um than meets the eye it's not this stereotypical thing that
0: of laziness yeah it's or not what that, they're up
1: against it? so many more barriers than than a lot of other people you know uh, physiologically um, psychologically and physically like for some of them it hurts to exercise some of them can't find exercise clothes that fit um, they're up against hormones that are continually making them hungry There's just so much that they're up against. And I do talk about this actually in a seminar Mm -hmm. (laughs) called Understanding Your Clients. And it basically just gives you an insight into what people with excess weight to lose go through on a daily basis and how to support them through their weight loss. And I, I just would like to see more support, more compassion and more getting to know what that person is dealing with and taking it at a slower and steady pace rather than... You know pounding the pavement straight away and and pushing them and making them feel guilty for you know habits that are probably being lifelong you know you you need to if you're not ready to support someone be ready to refer and get support for them basically
0: i think from from being a trainer myself one of the techniques that i tend to try and use when when i guess dealing with someone who is clearly uncomfortable and going through a bit on their their end especially like we're talking about the sort of person that it's anxiety, it's actually anxiety bringing to step inside of a gym. Mm-hmm. Remembering a time when you felt super uncomfortable, what well, maybe it was as far back as your first day of school, but and just empathizing with them, putting yourself literally in their shoes as they walk into your door and picturing yourself back in that moment where you felt either low on self-confidence or like you were the old one out or whatever it was and just trying your absolute best to break down those walls with them. Make them feel like, hey, I know it's the first day, it feels a bit like the first day of school, but I can promise you that everyone has felt the same at some point, completely get it. I remember, maybe even you go into that memory, I completely remember, you know, Mm. stepping into this blah, blah, blah. Um,
1: That's actually one thing that I do talk about is just um, humanizing yourself. Like you're a person that Mm -hmm. has history as well. So talk to them about, you know, how you first got into it. Maybe you couldn't do a push up when you first started. That's great stuff for them to know and understand and tell them when you mess up on the weekend or or that you tell them that you drink wine midweek like tell them things that let them know that you are a person as well and you're not just this just because you look the part doesn't mean that you have everything together because people need to be able to connect if they're going to build a, a rapport and you're going to go through the journey together
0: yeah and that can be a really ego-driven thing as well mm. and i think you know, plenty of us can relate to that in the terms of wanting to be this person on a pedestal that everyone looks up to and oh that you know I wish I had your motivation dedication all this stuff (laughs) we're all human beings and I think that having that vulnerability to show like no look like I mess up all the time you know I sometimes I don't follow through as well sometimes Mm -hmm. I have bad days sometimes I have days where I have a plan and I completely mess it up or whatever it is and that is okay yeah and so more people in the industry like on their Instagram accounts and all the rest of it they're portraying these perfect selfie Mm -hmm. lives could do a lot more good in the industry by yeah don't get me wrong show the good stuff but also balance it out with a little bit of the days when it's not so good
1: yeah show the fails show the time that you skip the gym for a whole week and just binged on netflix like <laughs> progress isn't linear it's it's two steps forward one step back it's yeah and that's and that's normal so we need to kind of highlight that more so that people do feel more comfortable about starting their journey so when they So that when they do make a mistake, like if you're doing this portrayal of I'm perfect at everything, that person's going to be terrified to come to you and tell you that they had a burger on the weekend. Mm. You need to create this um, rapport where they can come to you and go, made a mistake and you go, that's okay, let's just start again. It's all good. I did the same thing two weeks ago. It's fine.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a good balance there. Don't get me wrong. Like if they're skipping out in the gym three months straight and getting one session done. You can't yeah. just be like, oh, that's okay all the time. Yeah, like, that has to you be have to have some boundaries. But I guess the point is it's not about being this firm, assertive, mm. steep commando, Yeah, you know, style trainer all the time. You've got to kind of find that balance and ask them what's going on in life. Yeah. Hey, why did you have that? You know, okay, you had the burger on the weekend. Well, look, I just had a really stressful week at work and I just, I caught up with a friend I haven't seen in five years and I wanted to have a burger well, fuck me, is that really the worst thing in the world? Like, have a look at yourself if you're giving them shit for that. Yeah. Um, because, mm. you know, the, the, that perfect approach is is going to break down with them eventually, mm. if, if not that yeah. time, and then later on. And
1: at the end of the day with anyone, you really want to be working towards creating results using balance in your life because no healthy weight has ever been held in place by restriction and punishment. You know, if you, like if I, most of my clients, if I talk to them and say, Give me the lowest weight you've ever been. These are the clients that are struggling with weight loss. Tell me the lowest weight you've ever been. Okay. Tell me about your life around then. Was it fun? Did you um, eat whatever you want? Did you, was there good balance in life? Did you like love what yourself doing? More. You get, And you, nine times out of ten, it was horrible. They couldn't keep the weight off. They gained it all back and, and obviously that's why they're back there.
0: Well, there's a stat that I always come back to because it was mind-blowing. It was like... Three years after the weight loss, 90% of people yeah. put it back on. Yeah. Two years after the weight loss, I think it was 80% and then one year was 70%. They are like outrageous statistics. So mm-hmm. it shows you that people are going about it in a really, really poor way.
1: Yeah. So if you really want to help, help them find a way to do it long term and it's going to take longer, which is fine. That's totally fine. We don't need to rush it. And
0: this is again where like a lot of the nutrition coaches out there are getting a lot better now not demonizing approaches. And not being too dogmatic on approaches either so whether it's keto veganism flexible dieting with macros paleo whatever it is that works for you just don't get too hung up on this is going to be 100% the way I watched this documentary Mm. or I heard this guy speak on a podcast and I was like oh keto's for me or you know flexible dieting is the only way or whatever it is it's finding an approach and figuring out what works best for you long term little experiments along the way little trial and errors they're fine Provided you realize that it's not a long-term fix. If you lost 10 kilos on keto, but you cannot keep it for the next 10 months, what is the point?
1: Yeah, and with any diet, it doesn't matter what kind of diet you do, if your behaviors around food are the same, they're going to keep creeping back into whatever you're doing. So yeah. the, the underlying reason behind your behaviors is something that does need a lot of attention, I find.
0: Yeah. I see like uh, the sugar, that sugar film was a big one for it, just like opening mm. a can of worms and yeah. everyone's cutting out sugar. And that's great, but what's the reason you're eating the sugar? What's the reason you're binging on the sugar? (laughs) Because that's really the thing you need to fix first. Then, sure, you can look at reducing your sugar intake and reducing is the key word, not eliminating. Everyone loves to like, I'm going to eliminate sugar. Sugar is in fucking everything. (laughs) (laughs) Like, good luck eliminating it completely. Sugar is behind you. And then all that artificial sugar you're (laughs) slamming yourself with or your digestion system's going to be fucked as well. So... You know, and
1: also studies have shown that that actually just upregulates your appetite too. So forget about the artificial sugar.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's just Don't get about... Don't
1: on that one.
0: Yeah, again, we're not going to go to you know, yeah. can of worms on that sugar film. But my point is, I guess, is look at the reasons why you have the behaviour, trial and error, to find what works for you long-term. Mm. And like I said, pay attention more to your emotions and things that are dragging you back into that way of doing things.
1: Yeah. And to just to add one little tip in there as well, like if you're going to sort of create trained you kind of need to assess what your current beliefs are around mm. food around weight around what you want in your body shape and, and type it's
0: back to that modeling and the parents yeah. and families
1: yeah and exactly but yeah but also so like you know if you're afraid of carbs maybe it's time to assess that belief and ask how supportive is it mm. to you and be open to having those beliefs challenged so if you forever believe that eating you know, 1,200 calories a day is what needs to be done for weight loss, but you've done that for 12 years and you're still not losing weight, maybe it's time that you need to challenge those beliefs.
0: Yep, 100%. And I think this is where seek out multiple experts. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, the dogmatic thing is to go and read one book, completely buy into everything you read, the research that they cite, which I can tell you right now can be very well manipulated into one argument or the other. Reach out to multiple different experts, try different nutrition coaches, talk to people that understand the science, and what you will often find is a balanced approach is what they come back to, Mm. the people that really know their shit. Again, any approach will work if you can keep it long term. I highly recommend people, if you want to learn more, to look at a podcast by Joe Rogan uh, with Dom Agostino and Lane Norton, which was a really, really good debate. Uh, Don was more on the keto side of things He's heavily into the research behind it He has a lot of products behind it But he's also a little bit understanding that there's another way He looks a bit more in terms of like If there's illness or sickness It can be a really effective tool Lane is very much flexible dieting All about them carbs And they kind of, in the end Both tend to sort of agree that there's no one size fits all Which is Mm. really cool For two people that are clearly in one camp over the other Even they can agree that the, the science has not definitively said It works for everybody yeah. And so again, like yeah, looking at the beliefs. Maybe you read an article in Muscle Magazine back when you were that fifteen kilo, fifteen kilo, fifteen year old, you know, mm-hmm. uh, scrawny kid, and you're trying to build muscle, and now you think a certain way, or you know, uh, you saw Kim Kardashian put up this post about how. All fats are bad, or something, and now you refuse to eat fats, and you didn't even, you, you've completely well, forgotten about that.
1: If you're <laughs> listening to what Kim
0: K says, you've got problems straight up. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to any nutritional advice she's from selling, any Kardashian out there. Yeah, yeah, she's
1: selling <laughs> appetite suppressant lollipops. <laughs>
0: you? So, yeah, I guess it's like looking at like, what Kim is saying is look at those beliefs and where they've come from. Was it an educational piece and you just took it as dogma from there onwards? Was it that your parents taught you something mm. that wasn't? Back by science or education, yeah. but they were obviously educated on as well. Yeah, and asking and, just, and challenging it.
1: Yeah, and is it or is it just your emotional thoughts that are coming up? You have to remember, thoughts are not facts; mm. they are feelings as like well. That. You know, so just because you feel fat does not mean that you are. That's yeah. often a um, thing that disordered eating throws at you to say, Well we feel fat; we better do something about it," rather than dealing with negative emotions. So, yeah, really just start to create some awareness and challenge your beliefs that are not working for you and write down what you're learning about yourself and keep track of it and notice where you can start to make some change.
0: Yep, absolutely. And the biggest thing I think in changing, I talked a little bit about this in podcast one as well, is being okay with the goalposts changing and being okay with the fact that, a, s- a slight change in direction may actually be healthier for you long term. Mm-hmm. So i give you an example. When I was at my lightest, let's say I was 55, 56 kilos, and I wanted to get to the heaviest part. And I maybe I've got dreams of being this hulking man, you know. <laughs> I want to be 95 <laughs> kilos and... All the ladies will love that. I would
1: love you the, at least 2% more. You.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Kim only loves me now 95%. If yeah. I was that 95 kilo oh, man, man.
1: so much more. I might cook <laughs> your dessert as well.
0: <laughs> and even up to recently, you know, I had this belief that to be good at my sport, I had to be heavier and all this sort of stuff. And it definitely, I think I've kind of come to a point where I realized that, okay, I'm not 95, but I'd stay around 75 to 80. I'm somewhere in that ratio. And I'm happy with where mm. I am at. I don't need to change any more physically. I don't need to put on more muscle. I don't need to be leaner. I don't need to be necessarily, like, 50 kilos stronger. I don't need to, like, scare scare young children at the shopping centre because <laughs> I'm such a Too bad. <laughs> was
1: that one of your goals? I'm a beast
0: biking, you know, all of this sort of stuff. And I'm okay with that. Whereas yeah. if you talk to, say, you know, 16-year-old Coot and, oh. you know, you know, told him that no, was a list. go, he'd probably be like, nah, man. <laughs> You're an idiot. For like, why five, would you, why would you stop at 75? Like, get that 95, you yeah. pussy, you know? The, like, the
1: funny thing is, like, speaking from my perspective, I didn't even notice when you gained all that weight. I oh,
0: it a go mad thing. I, I mean, you I saved mean. all that weight. It wasn't that much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, you were walking in sideways through it, so I didn't even <laughs> notice. No. Like, I didn't even notice at all, like, that you no. gained. Oh, and I didn't even notice when it was gone either, because at the end yeah. of the day, I'm with you for you. Yeah. Sean Coot inside there, not. Yeah. Not what's on the outside, and I think that's what a lot of people forget. Like a lot of people are striving for these things because they want to be loved. Mm. But at the end of the day, like if you're going to date someone that looks great but is a total douchebag, like that's not going to last a very long time. What we all want is to be connected, mm. and we're going to look for that connection, not, not the rippling 95 kilo man.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and the goals will change. That is, yeah, that's the summary. I'm we're getting all at.
1: changing. We're all getting older. All yeah, yeah nothing's.
0: You don't care about the same shit in five years' time, so don't kill yourself now over something that's not going to matter. Yeah, mm. exactly right. Cool, cool. All right, well, thank you again, babe, for being on. Uh, really enjoyed that a uh, little bit of a deeper dive in some of the mindset stuff around nutrition. Uh, where can people contact you if they want to learn more?
1: Uh, yeah, so I've got a Facebook page, um, which is Kim Bunny Mindset Nutrition, and I also have uh, my Instagram page, which is exactly the same name, Kim Bunny underscore Mindset Nutrition. Uh, and I also have my website, uh, which is mindsetnutrition.com.au.
0: Awesome, guys. Thank you again for listening in. Hopefully that was helpful and triggers a few things there for you to go and find out a bit more about yourself, ask a few deeper questions. Be with you next week for Episode 6. Cheers. Thanks for
1: having me, sweet cheeks. <laughs> <laughs>